Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. I'd like to welcome all those watching online. Um, hundreds of years ago on Easter, when you would see someone, you would say, he is risen. And then you'd give that opportunity uh, to a person to respond to that. And they would say, he is risen indeed. That tradition has continued hundreds of years. So I thought it would be good to bring it back to Stevens Creek. So let's try it. He is risen. Happy Easter. We're so glad that you're here. You look beautiful. I'm telling you that it, that stimulus check wasn't enough to pay your rent, but it was enough to buy you a new outfit. I'll never forget one time I had a, a new coat and I worked at church and, and I had several people comment on my coat to the point where it made me feel weird or funny or uh, nervous. And finally, after the services, uh, another guy said something about it and said, I said, how did you know I have a new coat? He said, oh, Marty. He said, when you put your hands up to pray, you still had the tags hanging down off the coat. I'm telling you, I was so embarrassed. I mean, I just wanted to crawl in a hole somewhere. I I just wanted a a do-over for that day for sure. Do you ever need a do-over? You know, a a second chance to to get something right? I think we all do at a time. Some time ago, I heard about this stay-at-home mom who is having just one of those days. You know those days where everything that could go wrong did go wrong? I mean, her house was crazy. She had a splitting headache. Uh, The kids were running wild. Uh, The bathroom upstairs overflowed. She's up there trying to fix that, and and she burnt the dinner on the uh, stove. And all in the middle of that, uh, the phone rang, and she answered the phone, and a, a voice said, hey, how are you doing today? And she thought it was a friend of hers. So she just unloaded. She told him, oh, my headache. She told him about the kids. She told him about the uh, bathroom, the everything. And the voice said, hey, just calm down. I want you to go lay down, take a couple of Tylenol. I'm going to come over to your house. I'm going to clean up your house. I'm going to cook dinner for you. And um, I'll, get it, I'll take care of all the kids. And by the way, how's Tom? She said, Tom? Tom who? She said, Tom, you're a husband. She said, my husband's not Tom. My husband is Bill. She said, oh, I must have called the wrong number. She said, does that mean you're not coming over to help? (laughs) I think some days we go through the day and we wish that we just had a big reset button that we could start the day over. I would imagine that's how the Apostle Peter felt leading up to that first Easter. I mean, he needed a do-over. Now, Peter was one of the most zealous disciples of Jesus, yet in a critical moment, he denied knowing the Lord. In fact, earlier that day, Jesus had taken him to the side and said, Peter, you need to be on guard because by the time uh, the rooster crows three times, uh, by the time the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And Peter said, wait a minute, not me. I am your main disciple. I will never, ever, ever do that. But yet... Peter did exactly what Jesus said. What's interesting is that Jesus already knew that Peter would deny him. Jesus already knew that Peter would fail. 
and yet he chose him anyway. Isn't it interesting that you would think that God would choose people who are more disciplined and God would choose people who are more faithful and that God would choose people who are more committed. But God knows that none of us are perfect. God knows that all of us fail. And God chose us anyway. But by the time that night that the rooster crowed, Peter wept bitter tears. In fact, it touched him at that point of failure was so deep that he ran outside the city and he just, um, he just cried. And soon after that, the religious leaders took Jesus, beat him, whipped him, and crucified him on a cross. That was Friday. When Peter saw that, uh, he went into a deep, uh, part of dis- a deep place of despair. And all day Saturday, he's just feeling just how could he get any lower? But then Sunday comes around. And Sunday comes around and two ladies came and told him that Jesus was alive. And we pick up the story in Mark chapter 16. We pick up the story in Mark chapter 16, verses 1. This is the Easter story. It said, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they may anoint Jesus' body. Now, very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they'd ask each other, who's going to roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. And he said to them, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where he lay. But go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you into Galilee. And there you will see him just as he told. You know, oftentimes when you read a a passage of scripture like this, there are a couple of words that may jump off the page and speak to you. This past week, those two words, there are two words that spoke to me. It says, go tell the disciples and Peter. I mean, why would this angel highlight and Peter? I mean, Peter was just one of the group, but why would he say and Peter? I believe it's because that angel was sending the message that God is a God of second chances. That even though Peter denied him, even though Peter failed him, and just think about how Peter must have felt in that moment. I mean, Peter had had a front row seat. For three years, he had seen Jesus open up deaf ears and open blinded eyes and heal lame people and and see miracles happen. For three years, Peter had a front row seat to see lives changed by the power of Christ. Yet in this critical moment, he caved into the peer pressure. In this critical moment, he caved in and he denied knowing the Lord. And I am sure he is wondering, how, how could this happen? How could I sink this far? How did I let this happen? 
And maybe some of you feel like that too. That at one point you were on the top of the world. Everything was going right. But then you said something or you did something and it seemed like your whole world started to unravel. You caved into the peer pressure. You found yourself with the wrong people at the wrong time doing the wrong things. Maybe you've walked away from the faith. This is what happened to Peter. Jesus was crucified, and Peter entered into one of the darkest places of his life. And there he is in this place of despair, and these two ladies come and, uh, to he and John and said, Hey, uh, the tomb is empty. And Peter and John and ran to the tomb. They raced to the tomb. And when they got to the tomb, sure enough, it was empty. All they could see was strips of cloth there. It was like a mummy-like cloth waiting there. It's like the grave clothes were there, but the body was gone. A couple of years ago, Patty and I had an opportunity to go to Jerusalem. And we went to this tomb where Peter and John ran to. And here's a picture of the tomb. And when they arrived that day, all they could see was the grave clothes. The grave clothes were there, but the body was gone. They were bewildered. They were trying to figure out what's really going on here. Peter walked out of the tomb into the garden. And it was in the garden that he had an encounter with Jesus. In fact, we see this in Luke chapter 24. It says, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon Peter. Now, we don't know what their conversation was like. But I would imagine that during that conversation, Jesus offered Peter a second chance. That Jesus extended forgiveness to Peter. Here's the big idea for the day. Never mistake the end of a chapter for the end of the story. Never mistake the end of a chapter for the end of the story. We see that in Peter's life. Fifty days after this, the church was about to be birthed. And they needed someone to give the inaugural address. They needed someone to stand up and speak for the disciples on this historic day, the launching of this church. The disciples, I would imagine, gathered together and said, okay, who's going to speak? They looked at Matthew and said, Matthew, you ought to speak. You're a good communicator. You could do this. They said, no, no, John. When John speaks, it's like uh, he is powerful. And people lean in and they listen to him. They want to hear what you... Then somebody says, no, no. Remember, I think Peter needs to speak. Do you remember when we were there on the mount and, and Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. And he was talking about Peter. Yeah, Peter's the one. And they all chimed in. Yes, Peter's the one. And Peter said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I can't do that. I am the one that denied him. Don't you remember 50 days ago? I am the one that denied him. I can't do that. And at this moment, Peter's feeling this guilt and this shame. I can't stand up in, in front of this crowd. But then the grace of God started to rise up in Peter's life. And that uh, voice of truth started to speak to him. You know, so many times we listen to the negative voices, but I'm telling you, we need to hone in to the voice of truth. And that voice of truth spoke to him and said, Peter, you are not going to be defined by your mistakes. One bad night does not cancel God's plan for your life. 
I want you to let that sink in. That one bad decision, one bad night does not cancel God's plan for your life. You see, Easter is the story of second chances. Easter is the story of new life. That in Christ, we are going to press on. That in Christ, you're going to accomplish your dreams. In Christ, you're going to have a happy family. In Christ, you're going to meet the right person. But you've got to do something. You've got to take off those grave clothes, those things that are holding you back. You've got to take off those negative labels, those labels that you've held on to. You've got to quit dwelling on those things that you say, oh, I just don't deserve this. You've got to stop that. You've got to quit dwelling on how many times that you have blown it. I mean, if Peter can stand up 50 days after denying Christ and start the church, I believe that you can become all that God has created you to become. The message of Easter is that you can start over. And I believe that every one of you can recover from failure. And I believe that every one of you can move forward in your life by doing four things. First of all, I want you to accept responsibility for your own failure. I want you to accept responsibility. You've got to be honest with yourself. You've got to be honest with yourself, and you've got to be honest uh, with other people. And and so many times, we become experts of passing the buck or passing the blame. We want to blame everybody else for our problems. We say, well, it's COVID-19's fault that I'm, I'm like this, or it's the government's fault, or, or it's the school system's fault, or it's my parents' fault. And we want to blame everybody else besides taking responsibility for our own actions. There comes a point that if we want to have a second chance, if we want to have a new life, we've got to come to the place to admit that we have failed. We've got to admit it, admit our mistakes. We need to become as honest as we can be about where we are. We'll never get, you'll never get out of the place you are until you come to terms with that, that you come to the place where you're willing to come clean. That you're willing to confess your sins. You know, the challenge is we can't confess to God those things that we won't acknowledge to ourselves. We cannot continue to live without acknowledging this, living in denial, as some would say. We cannot continue to do that. We have to uh, be open and honest with ourselves because we can't confess to God those things that we will not acknowledge to ourselves. And there comes a point that we accept responsibility, but that's not all. Second, We need to stop regretting and start repenting. Stop regretting. I'm telling you, too many of us fall into this place or this season of regret. We're in this deep and dark place and we regret this and we regret that and we failed here and we failed that. And we allow those failures to be constant voices in our ear and those voices are keeping us from really becoming the person we've been created to be. We've got to stop regretting, and we've got to start repenting. And the word in the Bible for repentance, the definition of that means to change, 
that we change our minds, we change our hearts, we change our direction. Repentance means that you're going in one direction, you turn around, and then you go in a new direction. We repent. That's the message of Jesus. It's a message of change. But if we're really going to change, we've got to come to the place of surrender because we will never fully change until we come to the place where we're willing to surrender our lives. We surrender our lives to Jesus. And we say, Jesus, will you lead me and will you guide me and will you be the Lord of my life? Then we come to a place of surrender. God, I need a power that's greater than myself. God, my life has become unmanageable. I need your help. Have you come to that place where you're willing to say, God, help me? You know, sometimes the most powerful prayers that you could ever pray are just simple two-word prayers. God, help me. God, save me. God, guide me. It's the simple words, prayers. I said there's four things. Here's number three. I want you to let go of your past And I want you to focus on what's ahead. Focus on your future. Look, everybody has a past. Every one of us have a past. We've all made mistakes. We've all blown it. And some of us are are allow that past to control us. In fact, that past comes and keeps you, um, holds you back. And some of you are struggling with things that have happened 20 years ago. It is time to let that go. But others of you are struggling with things that happened 20 minutes ago. And, and in either case, you've got to just let it go. You will not a, live a victorious life if you're always reliving your past. You've got to let it go. The Bible says the old is gone and the new has come. God says that he's, he'll give you beauty for ashes. God said that he'll take those negative things in your life and he'll turn them around and he'll bring something good out of them. We've got to come to the place where we do our part and we let it go. We close the door on the negative things. You see, you cannot move forward if you're always looking backwards. You've got to focus on what's ahead. There are better days ahead, and I want you to let go of the past, and I want you to embrace a hope for the future. Here's the fourth and final one. I want you to trust God to work things out. Trust God. Put your faith in God. I believe that God is working behind the scenes in your life. You may not even recognize it, but the very fact that you're here in this auditorium today, the very fact that you're in church I believe that God ordered your footsteps. He is working behind the scenes so that uh, he would create the environment and the opportunities for you to be here to hear this message because God wants to give you a second chance. Now, some of you think, oh, no, Marty said, I just came because a friend invited me to lunch and they said that I couldn't have lunch unless I went to church and I opted to go to church. Well, yeah, sure, that happens all over this place. Yeah, a lot of you are victims of the lunch invitation. But there's more than behind that lunch invitation. It is the Lord creating that environment so that you could be here just for this moment so that you could have a few moments to reflect and look at your life and look at uh, God's plan for your life. 
and that you come to the place where you trust him. You say, oh, Marty, I failed. I, I am so weak on this. I believe that in a God that turns your weaknesses into strength. I mean, look at Peter's life. He's the guy that denied him, and all of a sudden the power of God comes on him, and he's able to stand up in front of thousands and preach with boldness. Oh, Marty, but you don't understand. I've caved. I've, I've done this, and I've done that. Look, I know. You may think you're hopeless. You may think you're helpless. You may think you're too bad, and you may think you're too good. You may think that you are too old, or some of you think, well, I'm just too young for that. You may think that you don't even need God, but you do. No matter what place you are in your life, you need the Lord, and God wants to have a relationship with you. God wants you to be a part of his family. God loves you, and he simply wants you to love him back. And so we've got to come to this place where we said, okay, God, I'm ready to take that step. I'm ready to explore. But we struggle with that because so many times our past haunts us. Look, God is going to give you a second chance. His grace is bigger than your biggest mistakes. That's the point. The grace of God is bigger than your biggest sin. The grace of God is bigger than your biggest sin. I don't care what you've done. I don't care uh, uh, what you've said uh, or anything else. God's grace is bigger. One of the most talked about stories in Augusta, Georgia in the mid-1970s was the story of Billy Moore. Billy Moore was a soldier at Fort Gordon. He was newly married, and they were struggling in their relationship, and they were behind in their payments. And one day after, one night after drinking and, and getting high, he and a friend of his broke into a man's house in Louisville. And they burglarized that house, and Billy Moore saw the man and pulled out a gun and shot and killed him. They left that scene, and they, he... Uh, got an envelope with $5,000 in it and they divvied up that money and he, and he went and took his part and he gave it to his, his wife and said, get out of here. The next day, the news, word got out and, and they arrested Billy Moore. He pled guilty to the crime because he was guilty, but he pled guilty because he thought that pleading guilty would give him life in prison. But when the judge saw it, he saw it differently. He committed Billy Moore to be executed in Georgia's electric chair. And so there he is sitting on death row when a pastor comes to meet him. And while he's on death row, that pastor comes and said, uh, Billy, God wants to give you a, a fresh start. God wants to give you a new chance at life. And he said, Wait a minute, you don't know what you're talking about. I broke into somebody's house. I murdered a man. I'm all out of fresh starts. I'm all out of new life. He said, in fact, there's an electric chair right down the hall from here, and I'm going to die in that electric chair in not too many days from now. It's too late for me. It's too late for my fresh start. But that pastor explained to Billy that Jesus loved him and that Jesus would forgive him. You know, Billy Moore was saved. He was baptized 
in a bathtub on Georgia's death row. He was given an execution date, and then it started a whole host of appeal processes. Those appeals lasted 16 years. While he was, his case was being appealed, he became a model prisoner. In fact, the warden said that he was like a peacemaker, that they could put Billy in the worst and the most evil section of the jail, and he would just calm them down, and he would just bring peace. He also started Bible studies, and he led many of the soldiers to the Lord. He was a model prisoner in those days. But as time ran out, it came a point in, his, uh, in the process where he had exhausted all of his appeals. And they set a firm date that you'll be executed on August the 22nd, 1990. Seven and a half hours before he was executed, the Pardon and Parole Board called him forward. They called an unusual meeting and they met with this model prisoner. It was such an unusual meeting that the news of this landed on the front page of the New York Times the next day. Because in that meeting, the family of Mr. Stapleton, the guy, the, uh, the man that he had murdered, was there in that room. And they were pleading the pardon and parole board to have mercy on Billy Moore. Mother Teresa from India called and pleaded to have mercy on Billy Moore. And they did something that was unfathomable um, in those days. They looked at Billy Moore and they granted him mercy and they, they did away with his death row sentence. When they made that announcement in that room that day, they just burst out in singing, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. A wretch like Billy Moore. And they looked at him and said, one day, Billy, you'll, you'll probably get out of prison. And he did that. He got out of prison and moved to Rome, Georgia. I actually called and talked to Billy some time ago. Heard his story. Found out what he's doing. Now he's, moving, he's going around the state, sharing his story and preaching in prisons around the state, seeing the lost come to know Jesus. Very interesting, not too long after I talked to him, he came to Columbia County. And when he came to Columbia County, he had an opportunity to speak in our jail. And, and several Creekers uh, were with him that day, and they took a picture, and they sent it to me. And uh, those folks you see familiar around Stevens Creek. And when we think about Billy's story, we think it really doesn't get any worse than that. But God's grace was bigger than Billy Moore's sin. And I would say to you, God's grace is bigger than your biggest sin. And some of you today are sitting here and you are fretting over that one mistake you made. You're fretting over that one night. That one night, that one mistake is not big enough to erase God's plan for your life. But the message of Easter is that you can have a second chance. The message of Easter is that you can start over. The message of Easter is that God has a plan for your life. That God loves you. For John, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave. 
He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. So it comes to a point where if we believe, if we have faith in Jesus, that Jesus will come and give us a second chance. He'll wipe our sins away. He'll clean the slate. He'll make you new. There's no better day than Easter to make things right with the Lord. I think about that because it was Easter in 1968. When I remember in a little small church, I walked forward and there's wooden pews and a wooden altar. And I knelt there and I gave my life to Jesus. And do you know when I look back, that was the greatest decision in all of my life because it set me on a path that I'm on now. God wants to set you on a new path. All you have to do is just say, Jesus, save me. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. It's as simple as that. In a few minutes, I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you, those of you that want to be saved, those of you that want to rededicate your life, that this is the moment that you cry out to God and say, God, help, help me. And if you will pray with that sincerity, I believe that God will come and help you. Today is your day. This is your moment. This is your moment. God has ordered your footsteps for you to be here at this moment because he wants you to be a part of his family. Well, let's bow our heads and we're going to pray. And those who are watching online, uh, you can make a, a place of prayer right where you are. And as we sit in this sacred moment, I just want you to reflect. I want you to look over your life and I just want you to think about your life. Just for a moment, just think about it, where you are and where you want to go. Father, in this sacred moment, there are people here listening to me that are making decisions about their lives. They're making decisions about their future. And Lord, there are people here that in a few minutes are going to pray a prayer and they're going to be saved. I ask God that you would do what you can do, that you will do, that you will save them, you'll change their life as they pray. And if you want to be saved, I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, help me. Come into my life. Say that. Say, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. And make me into the kind of person you want me to be. Say that. Say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person you want me to be. Jesus, forgive me. Say this. Say, Jesus, fill me with your spirit. And Father, as they pray those prayers and as people pray prayers of rededication, I ask that your presence would be strong in this room. I pray not only for them, but I pray for the families represented in this room. The families in this church and watching online are watching on demand. They've had a very difficult year. It's been a tough year. And many have struggled for various reasons. And I am praying that this would be a day where you uh, bring hope and you would make hope come alive in them. 
I pray, Father, that you would help them to see that there are better days ahead, that you are ordering their footsteps, that you're guiding them, that you are protecting them. So, Father, come and, Lord, cover us with your hope and give us peace. We receive that, Lord. We receive your strength. We receive your peace. And we thank you for what you're going to do. And we pray this in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. If you're one of those that prayed that prayer with me, I want you to take your next step. I want you to text the word decided to 706-222-7123. And we'll help you take your next steps. And if you're in the auditorium and you want to talk with someone right across uh, the lobby, there's a a prayer room that there'll be people here to talk with you and, and to help you along the way. We believe people have been born again in this service. And so as the church, we want to just say welcome to the family of God. Let's welcome them, church. Amen. Thanks so much for coming today. I hope you have a wonderful day and happy Easter. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.